1102 Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. KB and Smoke with you here on a Tuesday. We appreciate you hanging out. Josh Sims in 20 minutes. NASCAR reporter for Fox Sports. He's in the pits. He's in the studio. He's doing it all. Josh Sims in 20 minutes. Formerly Fox 46 sports reporter. He covered the Hornets and the Panthers for years. And then, uh, you know, he got on out of here. So he's covering NASCAR well, now. Well, well, kind of. He's still living here. I was going to say. He's, he's just covering NASCAR full time yeah. now. That's all. You know, he he's, he didn't have to stick around for the the really bad days of the Hornets and Panthers. Yeah, you got to also call that golf uh, matchup between uh, that's true Daniel Suarez oh, and oh oh and and I forgot about this. Josh Sims added to his resume this year college football sideline reporting for Fox. Didn't he work a couple of games with VC? I believe so. If I'm not mistaken, we'll, we'll talk about that with him coming up in about 20 minutes. I think you're right. I think him and Eric Collins <laughs> were part of the same crew out of Charlotte on, on a couple of college football games. I've so, he was working with Timmy B. Now, big big Josh Sims guy here. We got Simsy coming up at uh, 4:20 today. Gene Sapikoff, legendary Charleston Post and Courier sports columnist coming up at five we'll talk Gamecocks and Tigers and Bears oh my with uh, Gene Sapikoff at five o'clock today he, he announced yesterday that after four decades of columnizing sports for the Charleston Post and Courier that he's on to new ventures so we'll talk about all that stuff with Gene Sapikoff one hour from now but right now it's the best audio in sports what did you say you what what did you say hold up wait a minute All right, what you got over there? All right, well, we mentioned this earlier in the last hour, but let's give the full context to a listening audience. Oh, let's do that, yes. Yes, yes. Uh, As Russell Wilson's future is up in the air as of this time right now, but Mike Tannenbaum explained yesterday on Get Up why he thinks Mr. Unlimited is big apple bound in the coming months. Yeah, I think he would actually be a, a great fit with the New York, and here's why. Oh, my gosh. Why you want to Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson? Absolutely. Pay him a million dollars and let him resurrect his career. <laughs> I actually have experience with this. Vinny Testaverde got cut by the Baltimore Ravens. We signed him in June and went to the championship game that year. So if you're if you're Russell Wilson and you don't get... I know uh, early, Mike. Hey, Bart, if you, but if, where, where else is he going to go? He has to resurrect his career. So if you have to sit for a year, why not sit behind one of the greatest of all times and then be a free agent again? It's when, when, when I was reason. guys, where is he going to go? He's 36 years old. No one's going to hand him a starting job. He's going to have to be a backup somewhere. The, the Florham Park would be like the real husbands of Hollywood. If you have Aaron Rodgers Man. and Russell, Wilson. you would have to put them back on hard knocks. <laughs> you have, have to. to right. do it again. You would have to. Where, 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 My goodies. Where, where, <laughs> where, you want to take this one? Yo. That's a terrible idea for everybody involved. First of all, if you're Russell Wilson, why wouldn't you just go to, like, I don't know, Pittsburgh, where the Steelers apparently are very interested in him? I, I think the betting odds have him as the favorite to be Pittsburgh's quarterback next year via DraftKings. I saw that earlier today. Uh, there's apparently some internal division in Pittsburgh about whether or not Kenny Pickett or Mason Rudolph's going to start next year. But, you know, as I think it was Florio wrote earlier today, or Michael David Smith, his editor, was like, maybe, you know, None of the above is a better choice. Maybe Wilson is the best choice for Pittsburgh when it's all said and done. And, you know, Wilson could be attractive because he might be willing to sign there for a very, very cheap deal and make the Broncos pay him the balance of the $39 million that he's guaranteed for the upcoming season. Now, let's be real about this. We just talked about it a few minutes ago. The Broncos are cutting Russell Wilson for a very valid reason. He, he hasn't looked like a franchise quarterback in a couple of years, right? He just hasn't. 
So maybe Mike Tomlin and the Steelers think that they can drop him into a much better situation. I don't know if that's true or not, but maybe they believe they can drop him into, you know, better offensive support cast, defense, all that, and they can resurrect Russell Wilson. I'm skeptical myself, but I think Pittsburgh is the more likely landing spot than Russell Wilson going to New York to back up Aaron Rodgers. You want to talk about a, a soap opera? unnecessary drama and noise that's exactly what that is you'd be inviting so much unnecessary drama and chaos and attention and reporting and every come on who needs that i need it i'll take it but for for all practical purposes who needs that by the way i like how it compared uh mike tannenbaum compared russell wilson to vinnie testaverde uh kyle do you remember any controversies major controversies with vinnie testaverde major controversies with let me think about it Panthers legend by the way well of course is there one in do you have one in mind I was asking you legitimately oh and and by the way want to let everyone know football controversy or off the field controversy football no by the way Vinny got better with age just putting it out there too we've got that in common what else you got (laughs) all right Well, ever since winning the World Series in 2019 with the Nationals and then following that up with signing a massive deal with the Angels, Anthony Rendon has been MIA more often than not. Ooh, I'm glad you're playing this. I really Just to to set this up for anybody who might be out there just kind of like passively paying attention to the radio, I really want to know what people think about this. You go right ahead. Well, okay, and his comments yesterday about his mindset with his current job in the MLB is not going to make diehard fans of the Angels like him any better. How does your pro and con list today compare to what it was like 10 years ago? It's a lot different. Um, I'm married. I have four kids. My priorities have changed since I was um, in my early 20s. So definitely my perspective on baseball has been more skewed. Is it still a top priority for you, though? It's never been a top priority for me. This is a job, so I do this to make a living. Uh, my faith, my family come first before this job. So if those things come before it, I'm leaving. Is it a priority? Oh, it's a priority for sure. This is my job. I'm here, aren't I? Do you want to be here? I don't want to talk to you guys at <laughs> 7 in the morning or whatever time it is. So... Did you, I mean, do you want? I mean, do you want to like be here playing baseball? I have games? answered your question. So why do you keep picking at it? Oh, <laughs> yeah, you technically answered it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I was more annoyed by the reporter, personally. That last one. Yeah. I mean, I, I w- I've heard that now three times because a lot's been said about that since yesterday. You sent it to me. Others did too. It's like, I mean, can you believe this guy said that baseball? They're paying him, you know, X number of millions. Can you believe that? And it's like, I understand why Angels fans are irritated with Anthony Rendon because the guy signed a mega deal there, two hundred and forty-five million dollars, and he hasn't played in more than sixty games in a year since he showed up there. He makes Gordon Hayward's concerns with Charlotte fans seem like child's. Oh play. yeah, no. If you hate Gordon Hayward, imagine being an Angels fan and paying Anthony Rendon all that money to. I mean, he's played the equivalent of a little over one season in three seasons. Um, Ski mask all-star. Yeah, I, I didn't hate his answer, genuinely spe- generally speaking. I understand why Angels fans are a bit annoyed with him. Uh, but 803 number just said, no problem with Rendon. Don't we all put family first? It seems like maybe a game of semantics or like some people missing the point where he was like, no, nah, you know, it, it's not a top priority. He said a top priority. If he had said the top priority, I don't think that we're we're having this conversation, but he said it's not a top priority for me. My faith and my family are top priority. You know, if, if, if that gets in the way, then, you know, I'm walking away. It's like, no, but of course it is a priority for me. It's my job. I, you know, it's the way I make a living. And I do think it's a, 
Now, it's an issue of perspective, too. Like, the guy's made more than enough money to do nothing again for the rest of his life. And he's already won the World Series. Right. Most people can't say that. Most people can't say that. And, you know, in his mid-30s, he, he'll never want for money again so long as he's not a dumbass. So, you know, $38 million per year. By yeah, I mean, he, he has the luxury of saying, you know what, I can just go take a few years off and raise my kids and be around my kids. You know, and, and that's I'm married with four kids now. My perspective's changed on all that's awesome. All that's the right thing to say. I was more annoyed with the reporter. What else you got? All right. Well, we are getting in closer and closer to the NFL combine. And of course, many fans around here are looking up wide receivers. Well, our good pal Steve Smith broke down some of the wide receivers in this class oh, this is epic. on his YouTube channel, Cut To It. Highly recommend you go watch it after Kyle Bailey Show ends. And, uh, well, it's safe to say he is not a fan of Florida State wideout Johnny Wilson. Johnny Wilson. Florida My State. man, number 14 for Florida State, six foot seven, 237 pounds. He is not a good multitasker. That boy can't chew gum and tie his shoe at the same time. Um, it's, it's struggling. Some people, when you look at the size, 6'7", 237 pounds, we hear this word. We heard it by a lot of people. He's a freak. Maybe at night, but it ain't on the football field. I'm just telling you. <laughs> it's, it's funny as every single time you play. Maybe at night, but not on the football field. Now, let's be real. The, the absolute third-degree burn aside, all right, Steve Steve just took a blowtorch to Johnny Wilson. <laughs> he just took a blowtorch to six foot seven, two hundred thirty-five pound Johnny Wilson. I, I I haven't seen any mock drafts. Like Johnny Wilson has not even crossed my mind for the Panthers. No, it, Keon Coleman, yes, yes, uh, Keon Coleman. I would love to have Johnny Wilson. This dude hasn't really even crossed my mind for the like. Do you? I thought he, he was inconsistent as hell. Is he a day three guy? Maybe. And it's probably because he's six foot seven and plays wide out. Prime example, there's another guy I thought of back in 2014. I was pounding the table for uh, 16 year old smoke was pounding the table for Brandon Coleman. Okay. Remember that name from Rutgers? Oh, Win yeah, yeah, Winnell. yeah, yeah. We're going to have a couple of years in New Orleans. I was like, this is the guy we need to have. Probably because he was six foot five that well, I wanted everybody's him. Everybody's impressed that he's six seven, two thirty five, And it's like he wasn't even the best wide receiver on his team. Like, if you want to take Johnny Wilson as a project and, and, and turn him into the next Logan Thomas, put some weight on him, make him a tight end, you know, and take him in the sixth round, okay, I'm, I'm here for that. That's cool. I get it. But, I mean, he wasn't even the best wide receiver on his own team, so I'm good. I mean, Steve's, Steve's breakdown was epic, but he was never on my radar. What else you got? All right. We all have that one friend, and I think it's pretty safe to say that T-Bob Haybear might be one of those. There's no H. There's no H. T-Bob Bear. There you go. Sorry, it always throws me off. Now the occasion was a trick. Yeah, uh, T-Bob Bear might be one of those guys. As recently, he revealed how he didn't make a good first impression with Ski Mask All-Star Matt Flynn while he was on a recruiting visit at LSU. So I grew up a pretty big LSU fan, and so I really liked Matt Flynn. And I was on official visit. The first parties after I'd got down there, we're having a party at Flynn's house. And uh, I ended up crashing on their couch. I wake up and I'm like, oh, damn, dude, I'm sweating. Must have been hot in this last night. And my buddy Miller, who's kind of like my older brother and he's Flynn's roommate, he's like, what are you talking about? Like, it's cold in here. And I had all over Matt Flynn's couch in my first time uh, that I had ever mm. gotten a party with him. That was a bad feeling. But hey, it made an impression. I was in with the boys. They knew I was about that life. <laughs> what do I do with that? 
What do you want me to do with a team? He is one of a kind. Yeah, he's absolutely one of a kind. I, there have been audio clips I've wanted to play on here, but it's just, it's too much sometimes. I love T-Bob. <laughs> he's really good. I love T-Bob. He's Amber. better at radio than his dad. No, no. I, we got to get T-Bob back on the show is what we need to do. We haven't had T-Bob on the show since like 2018, I think. You're going to make me scared. I'm going to have to hover over that dump button. No, the we, we got no, to get T-Bob back on the show here pretty soon. Uh, that's what did you say? I got a text from Wes Bryant here a second ago. I hope he doesn't mind me shouting him out. Uh, we were talking about Johnny Wilson, Florida State. And I said he wasn't even the best wide receiver on his own team. Wes Bryant says, don't get fooled by Keon Coleman either. All highlights. So Wes is, Wes is saying no, no to Keon Coleman too. So we want zero Florida State wide receivers apparently from this year's class. I, I mean, I, I'm not loving Keon Coleman, but I also wouldn't mind it. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, listen, I, I had interest in Keon Coleman. I didn't know where he'd end up. I think there are be- I like the Adani Mitchell suggestion at 33 from Brian Bosarge a couple of weeks back. I really like that one. If you're looking for a wide receiver at 33, I'm hoping Troy Mitchell uh, falls down or Tony Mitchell from uh, Oregon. Yeah, I wouldn't hate that one either. Um, But I'm a big Adani Mitchell fan. If he's going to be there at 33, I'm actually not out on Xavier Leggett either. Even though some, some people are trying to talk me out of Xavier Leggett at 33. I'm interested. I want to know what some of the scouts think more in depth about him, but I hear you Wes on Keon Coleman. That's fine. I got you. Hey, we'll come back. Looking forward to this. Josh Sims, Fox Sports, NASCAR reporter. What do we do with Josh Sims every time? We talk some racing. We talk some hoops. We'll do it next. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Join Weston Walker on Wednesday where we build the perfect wide receiver and the perfect offensive lineman for the Carolina Panthers on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Sponsored by Credit World Bank, and away they go. That is Cindric into Chastain and up into traffic. Did they complete that lap? Did the leader get the white flag? It's going to be close. And the Daytona 500. The winner will be the 24. We need the 24 to start finish line. Goes to victory lane, William Byron. From Charlotte, North Carolina, Rudy Fugel, his crew chief. Unbelievable. 40 years to the day, Hendrick Motorsports goes 1-2 at the Daytona 500. Mike Joy, Fox Sports, Daytona 500. That was the call. I love that, by the way. It's the most broadcasting thing ever. Final lap brought to you by Credit One Bank. You just got to say in the most tense end moments of the race, Mike Joy being the utter professional that he is, doesn't forget that sponsor inclusion. Final lap brought to you by Credit One Bank. Get it in there, Mike. I love it. Welcome back. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. KB with you here on a Tuesday. Smoke's over there sitting in the captain's chair. And we thought, let's bring back Josh Sims. This time of year, we like to talk racing and hoops. And this guy does both very well. Josh Sims, NASCAR reporter, Fox Sports. You can find him in the pits. You can find him in studio. You can also find him on college football sidelines this past year. Uh, They're putting him to work. They're keeping him busy at Fox Sports. Former Fox 46 reporter as well. It's good to have Josh Sims back on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. What's going on, brother? How are you? Hey, not too bad. It's good to be back on. Hope all is well. Congrats on all the new kids, man. And, uh, yeah, let's, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. That's no, good to have you back, brother. I appreciate that. And uh, it's been a while since I've seen you, but I, I do catch you on TV pretty frequently these days. Uh, let's go to the race yesterday. Obviously, not being able to race on Sunday at Daytona was a bit of a disappointment, but it didn't really seem like the atmosphere dropped off too much yesterday, Josh. Man, the crowd was absolutely electric in Daytona yesterday. It really felt like it was still Sunday. 
it didn't feel like a single person that was supposed to be there wasn't still there on Monday. I mean, at, at one point we got there early in the day because at first I was doing the Xfinity race that was supposed to be in the morning and it's raining and we're like, I don't know how today's going to turn out uh, doing our work. And then as it gets closer and they postpone that to after, walk back towards the infield and I was blown away with how many people were out there. Like it was, it was absolutely incredible from, you know, the rock being there and DJ Khaled and all the fans. Like it, it was a special, special Monday edition of the Daytona 500 for sure. It was so awesome. All right. So, you know, William Byron, oh, Willie B gets to win. He got six of them last year. We've gotten accustomed to seeing him in victory lane, but you know, he got the big one yesterday in Daytona. He's still such a young guy, Josh. We were talking about this earlier in the show. Like I remember having him on years ago when he was a baby and, and he just, he hadn't done many radio interviews or TV interviews. And now he's all grown up at the age of 26 years old. How good can this young man be? Yeah, the kid is special, man. Uh, and, and I have the same experience with him. You know, I remember, you know, when I was still at Fox 46 and interviewing him over at the hall of fame when he was just getting started out. And he was way more fascinated asking me about the Panthers back then and all of that. I'm like, man, you're about to be a professional race car driver in the Cup Series. And he's like, yeah, but you get to go cover Carolina Panthers games. And I look at him now, and I'm like, he's 26. He's grown. He's he's coming off the best year of his career, making it to his championship four. And you start off the season with the biggest win of your career and the biggest race the sport has to offer. And, you know, we, we've seen him put in the work over the years. The kid is dedicated, a true student of the game. Uh, he's got, you know, plenty of people to bounce ideas off of, of course, with Jeff Gordon over there and Rick Hendrick, and, and he uses all his resources. And it's, it's still so crazy. I mean, he said it yesterday. He, this is a kid that came up and learned how to race off high racing, you know, on a computer, you know, and he's one of the top drivers at NASCAR now. And, and that's in a stable with two other past champions in Chase Elliott and Kyle Larson. And uh, it's funny, I think our Bob Pockers asked him about it yesterday, you know, talking about that team and having two other champions. He's like, yeah, I feel like the left-out guy sometimes. No, you shouldn't, William. You won six races last year. You won the Daytona 500 this year. I mean, you're just as much... Uh, the forefront of that team as those other two are as well. Well, I'm glad you said that because, you know, it's a great problem if you're Rick Hendrick, right? I mean, you've got Chase, the most popular driver, and a damn good one. you got Kyle Larson, the Cup Series champ two years ago. Always, He's going to be in the mix for years to come. you got William Byron, who looks like one of the best in, in the circuit. And now, you know, and by the way, Alex Bowman doesn't suck. So, I mean, in terms yeah. of the, the hierarchy of that place and the dynamics of that place, I'm sure it's all kumbaya externally, but, like, you got you got legitimately three dudes that could be vying for a Cup Series championship inside Hendrick Motorsports. Pretty good problem to have, right? Yeah, it's, it's a great problem to have because the great thing about it is they all motivate each other. They're all very different personalities. And, you know, from the outside looking in, we don't get too much time around them as a group of four, you know, we'll see them individually. And from the outside looking in, it doesn't look like one of those where obviously they work well together and, and they have a good working relationship, but it doesn't look like they're all kumbaya every single day. And what do you do on the all go hang out? It looks more like a business relationship where they all motivate each, motivate each other, but they're all pushed by each other a little bit. You know, like I, I always think of it as, you know, when, when Kyle Larson won his championship, you know, I, I'm pretty sure that motivated Chase Elliott. You know, I, I'm not – obviously he's happy for him, but at the same time there is that friendly competition. And then, you know, now that both of them had their championships and Chase 
And Kyle, you, you know that's motivating Alex and William, and William's having his moment right now, but you got to figure Chasen's probably like, man, it's been a couple of years, you know, and after last year, that was a down year. You know, I want to get back to not just being NASCAR's most popular driver, but a guy vying for championships as well. And let's not forget Alex Bowman a couple of years at a season where he had multiple wins. I think he had four in a season. So he's no slouch, and he finished second yesterday, and he had a down year last year too, and you know he's just as motivated to come back. He's got a great crew chief. It's a strong team. It was just one of those where the injury kind of set him back. But out of the gate last year, he started the season with six top tens in the first seven races. So it, it, they top to bottom, that is a loaded organization with guys that are very motivated and have the ability to perform. And, you know, I, I, I can imagine Rick Hendrick is just going to sleep at night like, man, this is absolutely incredible. Yep. Josh Sims, Fox Sports NASCAR reporter. He was at the Daytona 500 covering all the proceedings. You can find him in the pits, the studio. And again, this year on the college football sidelines, we'll get to that. But uh, Kevin Harvick's part of your team now. And I, you know, at the duels the other night, I think a lot of us noticed right away, oh, he's, he's pretty good at this. He fits right in. What's that been like working with him? Yeah, it's awesome, man. It's, it's, I, you know, kind of equated to when Tony Romo came off the sidelines or even Greg Olson coming off the sidelines and into the booth. And it's just a fresh perspective to have someone that was playing a year ago or in his case competing a year ago to step in and have that knowledge, especially a NASCAR with the next-gen car. He's basically the only one that has the knowledge of how that thing handles, especially, you know, for a race like the Daytona 500 on how it handles in the draft and what to expect and, and what he knows about all the drivers out there because he just competed with them. And you guys hear it on the broadcast. His knowledge is incredible. His relationship with, of course, Mike and Clint is great. Uh, he, he thinks of stuff that you wouldn't think of. He can convey stuff in a way that's super uh, important, creative, but also makes you think. And, and it's, it's been such a great asset to have in the booth, man. And, and we're just getting started, you know. That's, that's the awesome thing about it. You know, he's learning TV while we're all learning from him, and, and it's, it's, it's fun to have him up there. Josh, I mentioned the college football sidelines there a second ago. Um, you, you, did, you, did you do a game or two with Eric Collins this year? Are we remembering that right? No, I did okay. not. I did not do a game with Eric Collins. Okay, Smoke, Smoke's memory's broken this week. We got to take him into the shop and get him. <laughs> we we got to go get him fixed. I, I think he's got some loose wires. But um, either way, it was really cool to see you on the sidelines this year. How much fun was that for you? I mean, you're you're a sports guy. I could have I would have bet money that uh, you'd be great at that anyway. But what was it like venturing onto the sidelines this year? Yeah, man, it was uh, it, it was a blast. Obviously, it's a new experience. You know, obviously you've covered football in the past, but doing it on the sidelines, being down there and all the atmosphere was incredible. My first game was at the Coliseum, USC Stanford, to talk about just jumping right into it. No easing in, like a, ma a massive game for your first one. And, you know, I got to do some big ones. You know, USC went to Oregon. I was at that game. Arizona State, USC. Uh, one of my favorite games last year was that Wyoming-Fresno State game, just getting out to Wyoming, experiencing that. You know, it, it was awesome. A great crew I was with, Tim Brando and Spencer Tillman. You know, um, they're, they're an institution in the sport. They've been working together for so long. Um, and, and it was just awesome, man. I, I, obviously, I love live sports. So whether it's racing, whether it's football, whether it's basketball, they're all unique in their own way. And getting to be a part of, you know, big-time college football and, and, you know, getting to see some guys that are going to be playing on Sundays up close and personal man, you, you can't beat that. You know, I'm, I'm living the dream. It's awesome. I, I love it. I love it. A couple quick things. I'll let you go. Let, let me pivot to uh, hoops for a second here. Uh, Hornets. What, what, you're still around. I know you're not on the beat anymore, <laughs> yeah. but 
You know what's been going on. They traded a bunch of dudes out, cut a bunch of dudes at the trade deadline. They bring in a bunch of role players, and and all of a sudden they look like the '97 Hornets. Like, what what do you think's going on here? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know, man. It's, that that's the crazy thing. You, you trade some guys away, and all of a sudden they start winning. And I don't know if you necessarily want to win when you're trying to get a, a better draft pick, but I also don't think it's that much of a loaded draft class, let's say. This year, so if you could teach them how to win, teach them how to win, and chemistry is big, and guys that want to be there and, and, and care about the game. So I, I think maybe that's the most important thing to take away from it, that these guys are learning how to win games, building some chemistry, and you're, you're getting some pieces so that if you do land a, another star or a star, uh, you have something to build off of, and that's good. Like Brandon Miller's coming into his own. He's a young guy, and you know, I was in the scoop camp coming in, but, you know, Brandon Miller has kind of blown me away. You know, the guy is a true pro. He can fill it up, and he cares. You know, he's got passion. He's sick of losing, and I love to see that from him. And, you know, Grant Williams gets ragged on all the time by everybody, but he seems to be a great fit in Charlotte coming home. I think that's awesome. You know, Seth Curry being here is great, and some of the other young guys getting out there and playing. It's like, will this continue? Will they keep winning games at this clip? I, I don't think so, but I – I think it's a nice little story, and I think it's it's good to shake things up and see if they can start to to build that thing up from the bottom. Everybody's been crushing the All-Star game this week, calling for the NBA to scrap it finally, like the NFL did the Pro Bowl. Are you there yet? Yeah, it's rough. It's funny because the last couple years I haven't been able to watch because the 500 has been on Sunday, and I just catch the highlights. This Sunday, of course, it was rained out, so I got to watch, and I was like, what am I doing, man? Why am I watching this thing? You know, it was like, I remember looking up, because I was trying to do notes, and I looked up, and it was like 97, 80-something, and it wasn't even half that. I was like, what's the point of this? You know, like, I get it, and no one wants to get hurt, and I don't know how you fix it, but I think it's a whole All-Star weekend just down. Like, the dunk contest wasn't that enticing, uh, the three-point contest is, is my favorite thing, I think, left, you know. And uh, the skills competition, I didn't know what was going on with that. Um, I don't know how you fix it. I always see that clip of, I, I can't remember what year it is, but it's one of the ones where Kobe and Marbury and Iverson yeah. were all going back and forth, and the East came back from like 20 down. I don't know how you recreate that. I, I really don't. I think they had something with the Elam ending because in the beginning, those games were close and people cared at the end but it just got away from them again. I don't, they got to figure out a way to tinker with it to get some sort of, because otherwise just get rid of it. Well, otherwise, I, just, dude, I said the same thing yesterday. Thing. I don't mean to cut you off. Like I, I had a few people that were like, you know, what's the big deal? Why do you care so much? It's an ex- exhibition. I'm like, because it used to be awesome because it yeah, used to be exactly. great. And like, and I, and I want that yeah. honest to God, I want that for young basketball fans. And I know it'll never be the same. Like when you and I were kids, we, you know, not everybody was, we didn't have social media. So when you got Mike and Kobe and Shaq and, you know, all these yeah. guys in the city, it was just, it was an unbelievable night. And dudes were trying to set the, the all-star game record for blocks in a game, steals in a game, you know, and now yeah. they, they they don't even want to attempt to play defense. And it's like, all right, what, are, what are we doing here? If the NFL, the NFL was still drawing what? 8 million for the pro bowl. And, yeah. he, and even they right. said, yeah, this is bad. We should probably stop doing this. Yeah, that that's the thing. Like, how do you how do you get them to care, and how do you get them to play defense and, and all that stuff? I, I yeah, to your point, I agree a hundred percent with everything you're saying. I want that, and I think a big part of it, like you mentioned, is we see all these guys basically play together. They all team up these days, so there's nothing really that new or significant about you know seeing now like Luca and and 
you know, uh, uh, Jokic on the same team. You know, like, so I, I don't know what to do, uh, but they got to do something or tear it down and make us, make us miss it. Take it away and see if in a couple of years we're, we're clamoring for it back and the guys appreciate it more. I, yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I'm with you. Hey, Josh Sims, I've kept you too long, brother. Thank you for the time. Get some rest this week. We'll talk to you soon. All right, brother. Always good having you. Thank you, buddy. Josh Sims, Fox Sports NASCAR reporter. Uh, he, he's doing everything over there, man. Crushing it. In the pits for the Daytona 500, the Xfinity Series races. Uh, he's hosting, uh, what, what's the NASCAR show? What's, NASCAR I forget. Race Hub. Thank you. Race Hub. I couldn't think of the words. Uh, hosting Race Hub for uh, NASCAR and, and Fox. I mean, just doing a great job, man. Really doing a great job. We miss him around, you know, the uh, local beats, but he's still living here in the Queen City, going to Hornets games, doing his thing, and uh, love to see Josh thrive. 704-570-9610. Hit us up. Uh, AC says, back in the day, I love when you start a sentence like that. Back in the day, there was pride in winning for your conference just like the baseball all-star game. I mean, here's the thing. Somebody told me yesterday, they were like, I think it was some guy named Christian. He's like, why do you care? It's just an exhibition game because it used to be awesome. And the entire reason that we tune in to watch sports is, yeah, to be entertained, but the core of it is the competition. We want to see guys compete. We want to see athletes compete. The best of the best compete. That's the whole point. And and I guess you got to incentivize everything now with money to get these guys to care, but... I don't I don't even know if that's going to work. I just don't. Uh, Todd from Detroit, 704 number says, I can't wait for someone to actually jump the shark in the, ju- the dunk competition. Wh- who did Jalen Brown jump over the other night? Who was that? It was Kai Kinnett, a YouTuber that's like five foot four, and he was sitting down. Does, it, does jumping over a famous YouTuber make the dunk more impressive? <laughs> the funniest part was he tried to do the D Brown uh, no look dunk, except he did it after he dunked, and it looked like he was sneezing. As he was dunking over a fight at least like you could say all of the over the shack dunk over dunking over shack is overdone but like at least mac mcclung dunked over shack and cleared him by the way and, and so did homie Hawkes. so well homie wasn't as clear but i mean he still dunked over shack but you're, you're dunking over a below average male height guy and he's sitting down and you couldn't even do the D Brown dunk, which yeah, by and, the way and, happened and, in Charlotte. Yeah, and who even knows how they score this thing anymore? Oh, jeez, the judges are <laughs> horrendous. How do you even? Who, they were former dunk guys. Yeah, who understands this? Someone suggested to me the other day. They said, "KB, the way to fix the dunk competition is to bring in some of these professional dunkers, uh, bring in some street ball guys, some professional dunkers." And immediately, there were some dudes that were like, "Nah, the players will never go for that." Because, you know, then it's going to challenge them and it's going to be a lot of trash talk and these guys thinking they can play with NBA guys and this, that, and the other. And, I mean, something, try something. I mean, they, they, there are professional dunkers out That is a Heck, put pro- the trampoline up there. It's a profession, but, ooh, now you're talking. Uh-huh. Now you're talking. I like the sound of that. Smitty from the city says it's not, quote, unquote, cool to try hard anymore, KB. You see it in young athletes everywhere. I, I, look, I think there are a lot of great young athletes that still try hard. Um, I'm not trying to argue with you, but Greg Williams. like it, when when one of the when one of your brightest young stars in the NBA says, "I'm not gonna," we're, no, we're not just probably not gonna compete. Listen, to Anthony Edwards. He's like, ah, he took it so seriously that he was gonna try to shoot left-handed all weekend long. Um, I mean, it's an all-star game for me. It's always about fun in an all-star game. Um, so I must shoot all left-handed tomorrow. That, that's what I heard. Yeah. Because the numbers you're putting up the season, they've been with your dominant hand. Yeah, but what sure. went into this left-handed nonsense craziness? Um, I mean, like I said, it's fun. Um, you know, it's a break. We're going to break away from basketball. But, you know, it's basketball. So 
I'm going to have some fun with so it. So starting from the beginning of the game, all left-handed? All left-handed, entire game, yep. Okay, rim attacks, three-point shots, everything. Everything's going to be left-handed. What do you think you could score? What up, baby? Yes, sir. How much can he score left-handed? <laughs> what do you got? Um, I'm going for like... If Double I, digits? If I score 15 points in my left hand, I'll be happy. All right, you heard it right here, everybody. Good luck. We can't wait to see it. Thanks, Anthony. Thank you so much. You got it. That's what you're tuning in for. One of the brightest young stars who takes it so seriously that he's going to shoot left-handed all weekend. By the way, his over-under total for the game went from 17 to 12 that night. Uh, he ended up with four points. There you go. 704-570-9610. Let's go to Smoke on the headlines. All right, Kyle, this report is sponsored by Renewal by Anderson of the Carolinas. Kickstart the new year with this incredible deal. Buy one window or door and get the second for 40% off. Act now to schedule your free, no obligation in-home consultation at freewindowassessment.com. Uh, unfortunately, going to start with some sad news here. Robert Reed, yeah. who played all 82 games for the original Hornets back in 1988, passed away from cancer at the age of 68. Uh, unfortunately, it's not been good, a good month for the original Hornets as earlier this month, I believe Nate Kiriton passed away. So, uh, and unfortunately, he was the first of the original Hornets to pass away in terms of players. Dick Carter passed away about a decade or so ago. But uh, unfortunately, within the last month, we have lost two members of the OG Hornets squad, Kyle. Yeah, uh, was was a part of that squad. Uh, he was originally and known as being a Houston Rocket, right? right? That's how he was known for his career. Helped lead the Rockets to two NBA finals, but he was part of the inaugural Hornets team. He was here in 88 and 89. Uh, came back, what, two years? Well, no, I think it was only one year with the Hornets. No, no, no. He, he was with Charlotte, then the Blazers, then he came back to the Hornets. Okay. Is how that went. From 88, sometime between 88 and 90, he went Hornets, Blazers, Hornets. So he went from Charlotte all the way out to the Pacific Northwest and came back in the span of a year. Uh, but 68 years old, rest in peace to Robert Reed. We also want to say Robert Reed, not J.R. Reed. Right. Just in case people uh, misconstrued that, uh, misheard that. Uh, so now we've gotten a report from Jeff Passan. A two-team MLB expansion is seen as a quote-unquote inevitability. Nailed it. As the two cities that seem like they're going to get expansion teams as of right now are Nashville and Salt Lake City. Nashville, I get. Yeah. Salt Lake City, I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around. I really am. Um, I, I think Charlotte would be tremendous. I, I do wonder, though, and I'm probably going to make some Raleigh people upset with this. Tom Dundon, owner of the Hurricanes, joined us a couple of months ago, right? A month or two ago, yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I think it's clear that he'd like to put it in Raleigh. But let's be real. Nashville, Raleigh. Like, I, I, did they even did they listen to him? Is he being listened to here? Like, if Nashville's on the table, I'm not sure Charlotte can compete with Nashville right now, much less Raleigh. Oh, because they actually got everything ready to go in terms of plans. Right. They've they've got a they've got a they've got a planning commission out there. The moneyed individuals have been putting this together from it. I mean, they got a plan. I, I can't imagine that Raleigh would be looked at anywhere close to the same way as Nashville. And like I said, I think Charlotte is a better fit, is a much better place for baseball than Raleigh is much better. But I'm not sure Charlotte could beat out Raleigh or Nashville. There's no way that Raleigh's beating out Nashville. Uh, we'll come back. We'll wrap up the hour. Gene Sapikoff in 18 minutes. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. This is Nick Richards of the Charlotte Hornets. You're listening to Kyle Billy on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, the exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan. 
22 ticks on the clock. Below, good protection, throws in the end zone. Touchdown! Ricky Pro! It's going to be a drag race. Time Achievers. Sorry, I couldn't help myself. We call it Who Balled Out. It's powered by High Performance Real Estate Advisors and the biggest dadgum baller of them all, Thomas Elrod. Go to highperformancerealestate.com and they'll see you. Yes, you at the closing table. Smoke what you got. Look, he didn't win yesterday, but still an incredible performance by A.J. Allmendinger. He raced 800 miles. Yes, both the Cup Series race and the Xfinity Series race and got two top tens. Finished sixth in the Daytona 500 and finished 10th in the Xfinity Series race last night. That is a man that was very spent by the time he got back home earlier this morning. Hard to argue with that. Uh, I'm going with the Hokies, though I'm not entirely sure which one because they blasted Virginia 75-41 to last night in Castle Coliseum in lovely Blacksburg, Virginia. And they did so without a single Hokie scoring more than 14 points. I mean, think about that. You beat a team by 34. You got to think there's at least one massive performance in the bunch, right? Nope. Not a single Hokie scored more than 14. So we'll go with Len Kidd, the center out of Gainesville, Florida, who led them with 14.7 rebounds. They also, though, got 13 points from uh, Carolina transfer Tyler Nickel, who went 5 of 9 shooting, 2 of 5 from deep. Likewise... Uh, they got another Baker's dozen from Robbie Barron, uh, who was really good last night. I mean, they're just good all over the place, man. Pokies whooped the who, 75-41. What? What are you looking wait, at? Wait, how did Steiner's kid do? Um, I just clicked out of the box score. I forgot. It. <laughs> That's all I, I honestly have the reason I look up Virginia Tech box scores now is to see how Steiner's kid did. Because you got <laughs> Scott Steiner's son on the basketball court. Rex Steiner. He, yeah, uh, let's see. I, I just He didn't score. He only played four Dad minutes last. What do you mean, Dad Gummit? He only played. They didn't need him. He only, he only played four minutes. I mean, holler if you hear me, Big Papa pumps your hookup. I need him to be good. I need him to be good. All right. Yeah. We- <laughs> big bad booty daddy coming to Blacksburg. Y'all done now? Sorry. All right. He has a lot of uh, phrases. It, you know, it's funny. There've been uh, some some. Uh, uh, let's see. There've, there've been some combat sports, like legendary combat sports and wrestling offspring end up in, in Blacksburg. Uh, Scott Steiner's son playing bla- playing basketball for Mike Young. I'm going to spit all this out, I promise. And UFC fans will know the name Vitor Belfort, right? His son, Davey Belfort, is a quarterback in Blacksburg now. So they, they've all of a sudden got this wrestling and mixed martial arts pipeline in Blacksburg. It's pretty it crazy. More wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> and don't you guys have a good wrestling squad? Very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like ACC, multiple-time ACC champions. Sorry, for sure. you were NC State most Well, years, yeah, right? NC State's got a very good squad. Uh, who else? There's another one. I, I'm not the go-to authority on ACC wrestling, but you're right about NC State for sure. Uh, speaking of that, NC State plays tonight. Wolfpack James says that his newborn daughter had a blowout in her diaper while wearing the new NC State onesie. He thinks that means bad things for the Wolfpack tonight. So I hate to break it to Wolfpack Nation, but new father Wolfpack James says that in the brand new NC State onesie, there's been a blowout. And he's afraid that that means an incoming loss for state fans tonight. So if that happens at home at the hands of Syracuse, you know who to blame tomorrow. I was going to say, though, uh, was the food orange? The Gerber food, potentially orange. Gross, man. So that that could mean it'd be a blowout, 
but it'd be a blowout win. You didn't. You, you just automatically went negative. I sir. can't wait until you have kids. I can't. I can't wait till you have kids, and you have to deal with this. I just can't. I can't. Seven zero four five seven zero ninety six ten. We got Gene Sapikoff, Charleston Post and Courier, coming up in about nine minutes. He's been covering all things Carolina sports as a sports columnist down there in the Low Country for nearly four decades. Uh, he announced yesterday. That he's done. He's moving on to greener pastures. But we'll talk Gamecocks. We'll talk Tigers with him. Uh, one texter here is a bum. Says, let's keep blasting on Bryce Young like we were this morning This morning on the Mac and Bone Show. So we're going to get to this. Um, we're we're going to get to this. I don't know why we're playing this. I'm going to break my own rule. But this is because I don't care what Craig Carton thinks about Bryce Young. I really don't. But Craig Carton who was a WFAN radio host. I guess now he's full-time at Fox Sports 1. I he still does the afternoon show. I think he's gone now. Oh. No, no, because Tiki took his spot, right? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah Tiki. Yeah. Tiki took his spot. Um, And so Craig Carton, who's doing this full-time show on Fox Sports 1 now, I guess, said that Bryce Young is – he doesn't belong in the NFL. Let's just play the damn thing. Bryce Young is not an NFL quarterback. Greg. And I'm not saying he's not a good kid or a great athlete. Clearly he is. But Bryce Young at five foot two cannot be a successful quarterback in the NFL. And I don't care what Coach Canales has done in his past, and I respect his resume. But this is why I said back in April of a year ago that CJ Stroud was the obvious number one pick. And if you took Bryce Young, you were making a mistake and you could check the tapes. I said it. Because as great as you was in college, as smart as he is, as athletic as he is, he's not an NFL quarterback. He's almost like, he's, to me, he's like Dave Meggett. He's like a third down specialty back or maybe, maybe a slot receiver on third and two. Way to age yourself there, buddy. <laughs> Just so we're clear, Smoke put that audio on my list today. I just put it in there just in case you wanted to talk about it. What is there to say? It is a horrendous take. <laughs> All you can do is laugh. I, like, and listen, I, I don't – seven people in a row just texted in to say he sounds drunk. I don't know. I mean, listen, I'm not making any accusations. Everything about that take was stupid and bad and ridiculous. Dave Meggett, slot receiver. He strikes me more as a Don like you, like you can think that he's not a great quarterback. That is absolutely some people's prerogative. No problem. You you think that he was the wrong pick. You think he's going to disappoint. Fine. But Dave Meggett, slot receiver, like slurring your words, slot receiver. Come on, bro. What was that? It was a horrendous take. Horrendous. But, hey, if you really want to scream about it now or number three, we'll, we'll get back around to it. But Gene Sapikoff, next, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.